I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. I'm Catherine Potsidis, Head of Shows Development at the RHS, and welcome to Hampton Court Palace Garden Festival 2021. We're here at Hampton Court Palace, and we're stood behind the scenes, hiding in the lime trees by the deer park, looking out on a very busy showground. Uh, we've got people toing and throwing, buggies whirring, wheelbarrows full of awards. Everything is happening today, and it's been a day to remember. We're out at the Cracker Sparrows, giving out award cards and medals in the floral marquee. It's the first time since 2019 we've put on a major flower show, and everyone, everyone from the industry who's here is so excited to be back. There's a great festival atmosphere and we're talking to loads of people throughout the show today. Coming up on the podcast, we're delving into the beautiful world of cut flowers. We're debating variegated plants and bonsai and getting tips from a host of experts in our RHS allotment. We've had a great week so far and there's still so much to come for a jam-packed weekend ahead. So to give us a tour of some of the sites, I'm joined by Bex Welty, show manager for the RHS Hampton Court Palace Garden Festival. Hi Bex. Hi Catherine, how are you? Very well. I'm really enjoying the show today. Not everyone is obviously able to make it this year, but we're just really, really delighted to be back in the Hampton Court Palace grounds of Home Park, watching the deer and watching the people enjoy the sights and sounds of many gardens here so how does it feel to be doing a flower show again oh it feels amazing after two years in the planning it feels so great to be back and i know the team are elated to be here so we have some stellar show gardens this year let's start with that no dig garden what do you think visitors can expect to see there well i think the no dig principle has become pretty big over the last year or two especially uh, with the lockdown with lots of people trying to get into something new trying to start gardening Um, this is just a new way of doing it where you don't have to dig at all you have to just layer the ground with cardboard and a bit of manure and you're set that's perfect Uh, some very low maintenance gardening there so something for everyone and on the theme of growing your own there's also the RHS allotment this year can you tell me a bit about this project I think that's one of our favorite projects within the team There are 14 communities that have put together a 3x3 or a 3x6 metre allotment space and they've been working so hard throughout the year growing everything that will be featured on their little allotment plots. As well as these in the garden we have Kate Bradbury, she's been putting together a wildlife allotment plot 
with also a wildlife pond where the families can come along and do some pond dipping throughout the week. We have the allotment shared, which has had talks and demonstrations from various famous faces and also the communities. So another garden worth seeing this year is the RHS Cut Flower Garden. What's that one like? So this is an amazing garden that's been designed by a lady called Karine van Boxtel. She is a Dutch lady who has come all the way over from Holland and has had to quarantine in the process, which has been testing, as I know she's been staying in a camper van in a a campsite nearby. So um, she got here in the end and she's done a fantastic job putting together the cut flower garden for this year's show. It's a walkthrough garden and it's filled with hundreds of different varieties of flowers that you can try and grow yourself at home. And just across the way from the garden, there's a demonstration tent where there'll be various talks and demonstrations going on throughout the week, showing you what you can do with the cut flowers that you grow in your own garden. So from making perfume to paints to dried flowers and floristry, there's something for everyone. And of course, there is the spectacular floral marquee and it is packed to the rafters with fantastic plants. What are some of the highlights this year? Well, there is so much going on inside the floral marquee this year. We have our master grower, Hardy's Cottage Garden Plants. We also have a few new exhibitors who are included in this year's lineup. We have Kells Bay exhibiting an amazing array of tree ferns. We also have Kitchen Garden Plant Centre who are exhibiting lots and lots of delicious herbs. And the best floral exhibit who won the Tudor Rose Award this year at Hampton Court is Dibley's who had an amazing array of streptocarpus. So we're also celebrating an iconic horticultural hero this year. Who is it and why are they here? So this is an award we started three years ago and it's a celebrated award amongst the gardening community. This year's iconic horticultural hero at Hampton Court is Tom Stewart Smith and he has put together a garden based around drought tolerant planting focusing on climate change. One of the highlights early this week has been the Plant Review Big Questions live debate. It's featured some esteemed garden experts discussing contentious topics such as variegated plants, love them or hate them, compost, garden powerhouse or rotten waste of time. Let's head past the Rose Tea Garden to the festival stage to hear host Chris Young with the garden columnist Leah Lane Dirtz, Plant Review editor James Armitage and garden designer Bunny Guinness. Can we have a round of applause for our panellists? These are big questions we're going to be asking, and we're going to want people to be opinionated, rowdy, rude, um, feisty. None of those adjectives go with them normally, but we're going to... We're going to try. We're going to try there, aren't we? Okay, so we're going to go for the first big question, and the big question is, this is going to come to Leah. Variegated plants, to die for, or should we just let them die? I'm going to say let die. I don't like them at all. No, boo. Boo. No, we don't like that. No, I don't want... Why? Why should we let them die? I think there's two I will allow. Two. Okay, give us a two. I will allow a spider plant. Okay. And I will allow a variegated pelagonium. Okay. I will. Not what I was thinking. (laughs) Was it not? So basically small things that you can tuck away in corners. I don't know. Those kind of look right. And everything else, I think, just looks weak and a bit kind of sorry for themselves and they don't quite work and I don't know it looks like the result of someone nerdily kind of messing around with a plant and I'm not interested and because they're not so green they are 
harder to grow and you know you need to make sure they've got more sunlight if you're talking about house plants they need more sunlight well my house doesn't have enough sunlight for a lot of house plants anyways so they're struggling i think whereas you know like i say your spider plant and your variegated pelagonium i think they look good they, they do a nice thing everything else no okay so we've got two from you james Variegated plants, you must love them because you're a plant nerd. Well, I do love them now. It wasn't always the case. I, I was educated at Royal Botanic Garden Edinburgh, and I have to say there is a degree of snobbishness there about variegated plants. But actually, when you grow to man's estate and you think for yourself, you know, what's not to love about them? Um, you can't look at something like Cornus controversa variegata, um, the wedding cake plant, and tell me it's an ugly thing. It isn't. It's absolutely beautiful. Or that, um, that variegated monster, has anybody seen that? It sells for hundreds on the internet. And the reason it does is because it looks absolutely brilliant. So I've had a bit of a, a change of heart over the years um, from thinking rather in Leah's narrow-minded, um, <laughs> pre- prejudiced... Um, po- wrong. And, and wrong worldview to sort of accepting that, that all plants are beautiful in their own way and there's, there's a place for every plant. Um, if only you can find it. So I say a big thumbs up to variegated plants, with certain exceptions like variegated rhododendrons, which are surely fit to make you puke, and um, (laughs) one or two others that really there's no place for in in the world, never mind a garden. But all in all, I would say variegated plants, just a ticket. Okay, uh, welcome to Bunny Guinness. What about variegated plants? Love or loathe? Uh, I'm afraid I fall on both sides of the bridge here. I, something like Euonymus Silver Queen, if I've got a very dark, shady area and it's very dry and the plants are sucking the moisture from the soil, Euonymus Silver Queen will light it up, it will survive and it will look okay. You know, So I think we're always too black and white with these questions and there always are exceptions. There are always variegated plants like some of the abutilons I don't think are too bad variegated abutilons I have used the odd one in the Chelsea garden I think before now Um, so I would never say no but on the whole things like variegated privet and things like that I'd really rather just leave in the plant centre so So, I'm on the fence needless to say you're not meant to be on the fence you're not here to be on the fence well in that case I'm with variegation because I love oddities Ah, I think anyone that's odd or eccentric be it plant or person I do quite like i warm to okay so it's the, it's the auditors you like james tell us about variegation why are plants variegated well um there's a couple of reasons in, in the case of the butylons they've all got a virus which is messing up the expression of their exactly. dna so you, you you have to feel a, a tad sorry for them but largely it's because there's two different sorts of tissue growing in the same leaf one where the genes for producing chlorophyll are expressed and others where they're not but that's all that horticulture is is selecting uh, genetic change for pretty effect all right so we're going to uh, ask all of you in the audience could you please raise your uh, copy of the plant review if you think variegated plants should live and prosper in your garden hooray mm. variegated plants win in your face Leah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> right next question bonsai an art form or horticultural sadism <laughs> not hamming it up too much uh, bunny bonsai not that that's, that's not my special name for you but bonsai <laughs> what, what are you thinking about bonsai oh bonsai if i lived in a flat with a windowsill i would probably be heavily into bonsai because i would love the intricacy and it would keep me busy but at the moment i i just couldn't fit it in because i just don't have the time but i can understand because i like topiary 
And I don't think that's torture. I love topiary. Therefore, I think I must really love bonsai. And um, I hope they're not being tortured. I hope they're not screaming every time they're getting out the nail scissors and trimming off another branch and pulling off the roots and shoving them into a tiny pot. Because, but I think I would be heavily into that if I had very little space and, and I still love plants. So, wow. yeah, I'm, with, I'm for it, I oh, think. Well, that was a complete turnabout. I didn't know where you were going with that answer. <laughs> and then you actually like it. Well, okay. I work with Pippa Greenwood and she loathes it. So every time she loathes it, I have to sort of try and like it because I feel <laughs> some people do love it and they, they do it very well. They and do when it really you look well. at it in Japan, it's yeah. amazing, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. James. Well then, I have to admire the skill behind bonsai. No, you, you can't not admire it. When you see some of these specimens, you think this is just a miniature version of something which should be a 60-foot tall tree. You just think, wow, that's incredible, well done. But it doesn't hold a fascination for me. It does strike me as cruel. Um, you know, if, 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 if plants could squeak, they certainly would squeak if they were a bonsai. But if we go down that route, then, you know, that's mulching and pruning, you know, then all Mowing plants are being torture. It, it would all anything. be awful. It would yeah. all be awful. Yeah, yeah no, I, I take that point on board, but it doesn't seem to be nature's way to me. So I would say, while I admire the skill, I'm not a fan. Bonsai, magazines up for a beautiful, clever art form. That's not bad. Okay, uh, or the much tamer view, horticultural sadism. (laughs) Oh, no, it's the art form wins out, I'm afraid. We have an art form. Well done, art form winners. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for coming. Uh, We're going to be doing this again in a couple of hours, I think. Such a lively debate. I quite like a variegated plant. Anyway, the debates were organised by The Plant Review, the RHS's seasonal magazine that takes an in-depth look at the bizarre, the brilliant and the beautiful plants that grow in our gardens. For more information, visit rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast. What I've loved seeing this year is how gardening brings people together and it's fantastic to celebrate communities and the benefits of community gardening in our RHS allotment zone. So let's hear from some of those who've made it to the show this year. Hi, uh, I'm Joy Bird. I'm from the Sandridge Road Allotment Association and we're here to showcase our exhibit, which is a six by three metre plot and it's called uh, Sanctuary from Covid. And we were very lucky that we were able to use our allotments during the, the start of the lockdown. This shows you all the different people who were involved and we've used local schools to make the green roof and the scarecrow and one of the local charities who has a plot down there called Camp Hill Village Trust who did the willow weaving and the stones and lots of people have contributed in the construction and the plot preparation. The most incredible thing to take away from this is how it's pulled us all together as an allotment plot. You know, there's so many people who've been involved in it all. It's just, you know, there's too many to mention. And, you know, we've gained very many more friends and more understanding of everybody who's involved and how important it is to them. I'm Kyle. I'm from Firtham. In our community, we are always encouraging people to do more gardening. We have a Feltham community group, which its name is called Feltham in Bloom, where we are giving lots of plants. And now, in our community, lots of people growing vegetables and fruits, even though they are living in flats. And here, today, we are representing a lot of flowers and vegetables, especially is a Feltham apple. 
and also we have some vegetables here and cabbage and beetroot and strawberry uh, so you know it's very honor to be here in Hampton Court Palace and it's a fantastic opportunity I have my own garden where I have been growing variety of vegetables especially I'm growing Asian based vegetables bitter melon and bottle gourd and also Musa Basjo because of banana plant its name is called Musa Basjo it's a winter hardy and I'm from South Indian background where banana plants are very very famous and we used to eat on the banana leaf so I started to grow my banana plant. Last year I managed to get three fruit and this year one fruit. So I'm so happy and especially I want to grow English based vegetables because I don't have that much knowledge about English based vegetables. So last year I managed to grow turnip. It's really tasty and also other sort of some of the beans which is purple color. I never ever tasted before. It's so amazing. I'm Charles Dowling and together with Steph I've been creating this garden here and promoting No Dig basically in all its glory. And I'm Stephanie and I co-designed the garden with Charles. I've been here since the 21st of June for the setup, working with the team who built it. There's an incredible amount of construction that goes into making a show garden. So this is an illusion, it's a piece of theater. It involved a small team of very skilled people who had to prepare the soil and make it so that everything could be planted in, it all came in in pots, and also construct the buildings. It involved quite a lot of digging for a no-dig garden. <laughs> What it's great for is getting people excited about no-dig, because that's ultimately our message. You can do this in your plot. Steph was great at sort of organising everyone and getting sourcing cardboard. You can see like a cardboard edge here, so the, the method of putting cardboard on weeds, compost on top, planting into that very quick entry point for no-dig. Okay, so it's a 10 by 20 uh, metre, I nearly said foot, plot, and we have a wide path going through it and there's one main bed of vegetables planted out with brassicas, leeks, kohlrabi, beans, potatoes. We also have a small bed which we're standing next to which is to the right as you walk into the garden and that is showing a polyculture planting with flowers, herbs and different brassicas and other vegetables and along the edge we've put cardboard so that you can see how we would actually make a no-dig bed on grass in real life by putting cardboard and compost on the soil. There's a biodiversity area where we've brought in bolting brassicas and weeds and done um, mulching with piles of wood logs and different things like that to create habitat for wildlife to show how we use biodiversity and encouraging beneficial pollinators and predators to maintain the health of a garden in real life. So it was quite exciting bringing pots of stinging nettles into an RHS show garden. This is brand new really actually, this level of interest, even last year I don't think you'd have seen it. It's, it's interesting though it's just grown exponentially in the last couple of years and it ties in partly to climate change, you're keeping carbon in the ground 
So that's one big environmental impact. You're holding on to nutrients, organic matter nutrients, not using soluble fertilizers. You know, it's totally beneficial for the environment. So that's one big reason we want to promote it. I would like people to take away, because we've got different kinds of planting. We've got little pots here planted up with a variety of plants and a wheelbarrow planted up and all these different sized areas. What I would like people to take away is that you can actually grow some food even in a really small space. So whatever space you've got, you can grow something. We're still in perfect order. Who knows what this is? I'm really testing your brains here. Don't they look like brains when you look at them from the top? That's what we call them affectionately. It's actually called celosia. What you're currently hearing is some advice being given out to the public from our RHS Cut Flower Garden Demo Tent. It's part of our garden feature about cut flowers and how you can grow your own flowers for pressing or dyeing or incorporating into arrangements in your home. I'm standing here now and joined by designer Karine Van Boxtel. So, Karine, I hear it was inspired by your own garden. So tell us a little bit about your garden and how that came about. Yeah, yeah. funny that you say your garden. Actually, it's not my garden. It was someone else's garden. I started to garden there. It's actually more a small holding. I designed it for my clients because I'm a garden designer first and a part-time florist and flower grower second. I said, well, can I have a, a, bit, a bit of space in, uh, in your small hold? They had a huge greenhouse and they didn't do anything with it. They thought it would be nice as a restaurant, but I thought, what a waste. I can sow my flowers there, I can start my dahlias. It was lovely, it was really lovely, and they, they let me do it as a favor in return, because these people, they have a restaurant in the town where I live. I uh, do their flowers when they have events, so uh, little vases or bigger pieces, and, uh, and we're all happy with that. That's wonderful. And how has the past year affected uh, your garden, where you grow all these wonderful plants? Oh, big time, big time. I have much more time to garden. Some of my commissions were stopped because of COVID. I had terrible loss in my family, so both my parents-in-law died in April last April um, and I got COVID myself so uh, I wasn't well at all so I suffered still suffering from long COVID actually I got some time on my hands so it's very funny that I although I suffered from fatigues I desperately wanted to do something that I really really loved and I thought well let's do it it, it was the beginning of March we had the, our first lockdown then and it was also sowing season, so and spring was coming. So I thought, let's go. I'm going to sow my flowers. The design was already there. So I, I just went for it. Yeah. That's such an inspirational story. Yeah. And the solace that people have found in gardening over the last year has really been a, a sort of universal thing that we've heard a lot yeah. here at Hampton Court yeah. and uh, at the RHS. And why do you think growing cut flowers is so special? For me, is as I'm such a plant person, I am very picky on what I will put in any vase. Although I live in Holland and we can choose so much beautiful varieties, the ones that I grow myself, I think they are the best, the, the most beautiful, uh, they are the best colors, the best varieties. 
For instance, tulips, when you buy tulips in a shop, there are always the varieties that are suitable for forcing in greenhouses. It's a whole other range than the tulips that you would grow in your garden. Other colors, the garden colors are deeper, more saturated, and uh, the same goes for dahlias. In any shop in Holland, you could maybe buy one or two varieties of dahlias, and now I have, in my own garden, I grow about 50. That's amazing, and certainly yeah. the richness of the colour, actually, in the dahlias that I'm looking at over your shoulder. Yeah. Carrying. Beautiful ruby red. Ah. Such a deep, beautiful yeah. colour. That's, uh, do you mean the, the big one or the smaller one? The big one. Ah, the big one is called Black Jack. It's one of my favourites. It's really very big. Even the, the tubers are big like this. Wow. And the flowers, where they, this is a show garden, but in my own garden, the flowers are big, like 50 centimetres big discs and like a big dinner plate <laughs> it's a dinner plate actually that is the name for it a dinner plate dahlia wow and uh, the other one the smaller one is called soul man and i think it's a very good name for it because it really is jazzy yeah i love it that's wonderful and some of the borders here are a little bit smaller and i can see some cut flowers in pots and things like that yeah so is it possible for someone with a small space to grow some of their own cut yeah. flowers what varieties are great for that ah well definitely go for dahlias but we we talked about them because the varieties are well there's so much to choose from smaller ones like these they're suitable for pots as well you can even grow cut flowers on your balcony this plant will give you flowers until the first frost. If you keep on cutting, then you can even make little bunches. So dahlias first, I would say cosmos second. The varieties you can choose from, uh, from yellow to white. There's now a new apricot version, I couldn't get that. And look at them, they're so beautiful. It's called Rubenza. It's very deep red and when they age, they sort of fade into lovely antique pinky color that everyone loves nowadays and you have the white and the, the soft yellow ones uh, even there's even an orange one so I love them I, and I love the feathery foliage as well it's very important it's a beautiful the plant habitus of a plant so important in a vase as well not only in a garden so cosmos second and I would say foliage I made a whole bed of just foliage plants and what's uh, the plant over there that you've got? For the, uh, the first one is Sanguisorba. Yeah. It's a perennial plant and mm. it, it has a nice flower, but I love the foliage. So I, I put it on top of my, uh, my bed. Mm. The darker foliage is called Physocarpus. It's a, a Physocarpus, as you pronounce it. And it's a very ordinary shrub, but it's very good. It combines very good with flowers. And an ordinary hornbeam is very useful uh, in any garden. And fourth, I think, sweet peas. It's the first flower that I ever grew as a small child. I think I was about three or four and I put my first seed in the ground and I had my special scissors hanging next door to the back door of our house. And um, they're great, still great. They're yeah, a beautiful plant and it's been yeah. so late the, the summer this year. Yeah. Every, everything, <laughs> everything was horrible. Well, everything, was everything was horrible. It's even, it's a miracle. It's an incredible achievement that, that this garden is even here. We had a very cold spring and then it became very hot. There's very little stock, stock of seeds, bulbs. Brick is expensive, wood is expensive 
traveling here is very difficult. It must have been so, a real challenge. You've it, overcome so many hurdles to bring this here. Incredible achievement that we that we finished. And well, plans could have been a little bit bigger, but I'm happy. And I think the people are happy. I mean, people Everyone are loving coming into this yeah, garden. Yeah. Everyone is pointing out their favorites. Yeah, yeah. And that's the great thing. It's giving people real inspiration. Exactly. And that's what we're trying to do at this year's show. So what do you hope people will take away from their visit to your garden here at Hampton Court? The way I designed it was I combine plants with people. So I made very wide paths and I, I hope that is very welcome for people. And hopefully at the end of the path, they think I have to buy some seeds or bulbs when they're there. If they will only take that away, then I'm a very happy woman. So that's it for this week's episode. For more information on how to get tickets to any of our other events, including the RHS Flower Show at Tassen Park later this month, on the 21st to 25th of July, please visit rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast. If you've been inspired by today's podcast and what's going on at Hampton Court, we've got much more at Tassen Park. Loads of features, lots of plants and amazing gardening inspiration. If you're in the Northwest, it's well worth a visit this month. So for now, it's goodbye from me, Catherine Potsidis. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs>